Hello and welcome to the Get French Football News preview show. We are back after a long winter break and wow, have we missed League 1. Well, the winter break does allow players to rest and recoup ahead of the second half of the season. It also starves Mr Thomas Wiseman of his interest in Angers. Thomas, back from the break and into the winter transfer window. Angers players have already been targeted by a few of the bigger teams Who's the one player that you're desperate not to lose? Um, Santa Maria, I think. He's the most crucial for us. Um, I think he it's basically <laughs> admitted that he'll definitely leave in the summer, um, but he's he can't really leave mid-season, uh, and he won't. For a fact, yeah, he won't. Um, but yeah, he's, he's a crucial one, obviously. Um, Ait Nuri, our 18-year-old left-back, been linked, I think, recent. I think Crystal Palace are trying to go in hard for him, but um, I doubt we're going to budge at all, uh, at least until the summer. But the thing is, with with Ait Nuri, what is he, 18 year old, 17 year old? Yeah. I forget how young he is. You'd expect to get quite the payoff for a player like that going to going to another like top five division team. Would you take that payoff if it was, say, 25 million, 30 million pounds or, or something like that? Is that not worth it? Because I feel like, like left-back is probably one of the easier positions to fill if you do lose a player. Uh, yeah, perhaps. I mean, he's, he will go at some point. Uh, it could be that his agent is George Mendes, so it's uh, he'll, oh he'll definitely yeah he'll definitely go at, at some point um, it could be the summer but he's definitely not ready for a um, a top side at the moment um, I, I think probably what will happen when he is sold is he'll, he might get loaned back for a season a season or two uh, in a way mm. like, like Saliba has done at, um, at Arsenal and Etienne mm. I'm also joined by, of course, Mr. Clinton McDubus. Clinton, what did you think of some of the, the Coup de France matches that happened this week? You know, it's it's an insane tournament and it seems to always deliver incredible match days. What were some of the real games that stuck out for you? Okay. Uh, it was... Thank you for uh, having me. Uh, yeah, it was <laughs> a great weekend. It was a great weekend of uh, I enjoyed the Bordeaux Le Mans game. Uh, I got to see this guy Yusuf Maziz again because I'd been trying to check him out for like a few weeks now. I don't know for some reason I stumbled on him and I was checking him out. And in this particular game, he was absolutely excellent. He he had a really good game. Apparently, he's on loan from Mets, and um, they probably need him now, <laughs> but uh, he's going to be there till the end of the season anyway. He's just 21, and he had a really good game. Thoroughly enjoyed that one. I also enjoyed um, Chouamani's performance. It was it was great. Uh, I also enjoyed the Monaco Rhymes game. It was it was full of drama. And Dumbia missed a penalty. It was an awful penalty. Uh, that was about four or five minutes before the end of the game. And then Keita Baudi scored a late winner, like in the 94th minute or something. It was it was crazy. Then uh, Marseille got to play. Um, 120 unnecessary minutes. I don't know why they had to let that game go that far, and they got a red card <laughs> also. And it was just unnecessary, really. They considered within how many seconds and you know into the game, and then they were able to come back. I think that's probably the worst I've seen Payet play. He, <laughs> he was struggling to complete basic passes. The pitch was awful. 
So, and then there was that drama after the game about um, leaving the revenue and all of that. But it was an interesting game yeah. and penalty shootout. The drama from, from uh, Cavalio. Apparently, Cavalio had studied the... Because the, the team they played, um, Chelisak, they had um, played the previous, the previous round. They had played penalties the previous round. And um, apparently, Cavalio studied how they play their penalties. So he had this note, um, the camera was always panning to him. He had this note where he was, where he knew all the takers for, you know, the, the team and where they were going to take their penalties to. And eventually they won that. So it was, it was fun to see. Um, I also saw Lille, they almost blew a three-goal lead against a, a, a was it third, fourth or fifth-year team now? Um, and also PSG, Cavani looked completely physically done but managed to have a man of the match performance it was, it was interesting but i also got to see how sheesh who i think has a lot of sauce and is really talented mm-hmm. so but it was it was a very very interesting weekend i think the coupe de france is a really fascinating tournament very 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 interesting and um looking forward to seeing more it's an insane tournament if you want to hear more content about it and a, and a review of the weekend. Do listen to Tuesday's news show where they they talked in detail. And finally, finishing off the dream team, it's Jake Smales. Now, of course, French football doesn't really have much of a presence over the, the winter periods. But what games, what matches, what competitions did you get into watching over Christmas and Boxing Day and the New Year, Jake? Well, I was mostly watching uh, watching Premier League football um, where I could, um, being the sort of main top division, European top division that goes on over the festive period. And it was a, a mixed bag for, for my beloved Chelsea, but um, some excellent and life-affirming results against our big rivals. So that was, uh, that was great. But I'm, <laughs> I'm, glad, uh, I'm glad, glad that Ligue 1's back and that we're yeah, getting, back to, getting back to French football now. Absolutely. And let's go into a review of some of the Coupe de la Ligue matches that happened in midweek. The the last eight teams of the competition, a competition that is going to be having its last season this year, but nevertheless, there's still silverware up for grabs and a Europa League space as well. PSG hosted San Etienne, you know, a, a match that used to be one of the epics of, <laughs> excuse me, one of the epics of French football <laughs> with Saint-Étienne and PSG, you know, battering it out. And some of the great matches in recent years, I remember, I think it was a 3-2 win for PSG or a 3-3 draw with Debussy scoring an own goal right at the end. Oh, yeah. Real yeah, yeah. awesome clashes in recent years. Clinton, how did this one go? Was this, was this a, a tight, insane, close match between two of France's oldest teams? Well, um, to be fair, uh, it didn't particularly start um, poorly, although um, that's poorly for Saint-Étienne, although um, PSG obviously scored very early. But apparently in the first half, um, Saint-Étienne had more shots on target and more shots, even with their um, 30-something possession. But they got the red card and they had to go for it. And you know what happens when you know you leave spaces for PSG. They completely destroy you, and that's what happened. But it was understandable. I mean, I I, I had a lot of talk on Twitter <laughs> over the past day over this game because people were, you know, 
of course, obviously the same French football as you know, oh look at look at the game, look at how easy it was for PSG to just you know do all of that. But I was trying to make them understand that, you know, obviously Saint-Étienne were playing the quarterfinal, they were one goal down, they had ten men. Um the everybody says they should have just passed us and stayed compact and hoped for a counter-attack in maybe the 80th minute. And I kept emphasizing to them that even with 11 men, it's very hard to get counter-attacks against PSG because they have guys that are so good at snuffing them out. They have Ganagwe, they have Verratti, they have Marquinhos, who are very good readers of the game and usually just isolate you. Unless you have like an explosive dribbler like Yusuf Atal, who we remember, you know, once took the entire PSG defense for your ride. Um, unless you have something like that, then it, there's really no hope, you know, to do that. And then they had 10 men. So they had to go for it. They were not going to. And um, just two two weeks ago or so, three weeks ago, when both teams faced off, this time um, Saint-Étienne were home. That was in the league. They also got a red card at 1-0. But they had five defenders on the pitch and they were trying to be conservative and they lost 4 0. So it wasn't like anything was going to be different just by changing <laughs> that. But you know, they had to try. So I understood that. And unfortunately, I think the red card ruined the game, you know, as a spectacle. I felt like Saint Etienne were really up for it. Uh, unfortunately, second half was just uh, one way traffic and could have been 10, really. Really could have been 10. It was, it was terrible. But, Overall, uh, sad that that game ended that way. But I'm um, looking forward to the semis and seeing wonderful games. Yeah. So Jake, the the men the match uh, finished six one with, you know, uh, PSG playing some of their best football in recent years. In their last six games, they've scored 20, <laughs> 29 goals. Are they now starting to play their best football under Tuchel? In an attacking sense, yes, they are. Uh, a big part of that is this emerging kind of trio we're seeing in Neymar, uh, Icardi and Mbappe. And let's not forget Di Maria as well, who, you know, we were all wondering how he was going to um, fit into the squad once uh, Neymar came back into the uh, back into the picture. But um, but that was a ridiculous team that Tuchel fielded, fielded midweek. And, you know, all four of them playing all four of them starting, should I say, in the same side. So, you know, no wonder really, even though obviously it was a, um, as Quinton was saying, we were kind of robbed of a, of a close content, uh, contest. It could easily still have been a, a drubbing if you look at the two teams on, on paper. Um, I, think that, I think this is the best football we've seen under Tuchel so far, um, certainly from the attacking players. And I think it's very, very exciting going into the kind of this crucial stretch of the season. Um, to see how how they do and whether you know, I'm excited to see how how Tuchel kind of works out this puzzle of who plays and what games. I still expect him to 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 field Marquinhos as the kind of midfield anchor in those bigger matches, maybe in the Champions League knockouts, um, and then play with a trio of either you know of most likely Neymar, uh, Icardi, and Mbappe in my opinion. But either way, you know the amount of goals those guys are scoring at the moment is just completely ridiculous and. And and they can easily blow anyone away at the moment, and it, it bodes really well for a for a an exciting end to the season for sure, or an exciting uh, middle stretch, should I say? So when everyone's fit, PSG have the capacity to field Di Maria and Mbappe, Neymar and Icardi, maybe as a as a front four, or as you said, as a front three with Di Maria not in that picture. They can also have Gay and Verratti and Marquinhos in a midfield. 
behind them and the defence is a little bit more muddled. But, you know, that, that front four or six or three, is that the, you know, the attacking unit that has the potential to win them the Champions League, Jake? You know, is it is it that calibre of, of unit now going forward? I definitely think it is. I mean, you talk about, about units and that really is what they are now. You know, it's not, it does not look like three individuals uh, four individuals playing, you know, it really does look like an attacking unit, especially, um, you know, the combinations that we see between Neymar and Anacardi, Neymar and Mbappe, um, Mbappe and, um, and uh, Neymar and, and, and even uh, uh, Di Maria and Neymar in this match, you know, they, they gel or seem to gel so well um, and, you know, really kind of work for each other and, and, and provide for each other in terms of, uh, in terms of assists and key passes. And, um, I just think they're going to create boatloads of chances. And, you know, comparing that to the kind of top forward lines that we've seen in, in recent seasons in either Champions League winning sides or, or teams that maybe have been slightly better favoured, I'm not, I'm not sure there have been many, you know, if any better, other than kind of your, your MSNs and your, your, your um, BBCs. Like, this is, a, this is an amazing, uh, amazing attacking unit and, and arguably the best in world football right now um and one which is gonna could could certainly be finally be the one to take psg to another level in the champions league and um see them really really challenge for it this year should everything sort of go as it should on the pitch for the rest of the team as well so let's look at the opponents in this match san etienne they shipped six goals they did play an hour with 10 men but this, they really shouldn't have crumbled in the way that they did. Remember, remembering that San Etienne used to be one of the, you know, the real epics, the massive teams of French football. Thomas, where are Sante going? You know, we, we've have, we're having these performances and four 0 defeats to PSG and, and crumbling to other teams and Alexandria and the Europa League and Ghent and whatnot. Is it a case of them just being really bad? Or are they more of, and this is a, a word you get to use when your team's really bad, in transition? What do you think <laughs> about that, Thomas? <laughs> um, I think there was a, a, a good bounce when um, when Paul came in, but I don't think they've improved as much as I would have expected. Um, the defence still looks shaky for a well, team mm. obviously it will, it will take a, a while for him to to get that up, and it doesn't help with with injuries to you know um, Saliba and, and and others as well. And I think there was I think was it against it might have been their cup game or their re, one of their recent league games where they were playing um, Jan and Veer as a as a centre back, which I thought was was mm. interesting. Um, so they are they are struggling a little bit with. Um, with some with some players in the squad, injuries wise, uh, it's 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 difficult to say where their season's going to go, really, because you look at them now and they're in fourteenth, fifteenth, mm. yeah, fourteenth, fourteenth. Um, pretty far down. Yeah, yeah. I don't expect them to be there at the end of the season, but I don't think the way they're going, they they will actually be challenging for the European spots like they were uh, only just last year. I hope not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If like, you do for European you, spots and yeah. get in, if it <laughs> what, gets in yeah. the same thing's going to happen again, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. 
and, and you do think of Claude Puel's teams as being kind of more um, d- defensively solid and well-oiled. Mm-hmm. And obviously, like, there have been glimpses of that since he took over again. Um, and I completely agree with Clinton that, like, the game was turned out the way that it did because of the red card um, uh, to a certain extent in that yeah. it was far more open because they were pushing, um, obviously, it being a cup quarter-final. But some of the defending still was completely schoolboy and the, the positional awareness against some of those um some of those PSG attackers just was really uncharacteristically poor for a for a Claude Puel side. And if if anyone hasn't seen PSG's third goal as of yet, then it is it's a thing of beauty. It is pure pure pinball in the Saint Etienne box before <laughs> before going in. But yeah, definitely check it out if you haven't seen it already. Um, but yeah, I think that's pretty uh, the the kind of in those games where they have lost by more goals, they defensively they've looked they've looked worryingly poor, I think, and that's definitely something that they need to address. And injuries are a part of that, but yeah, Puel needs to to find solutions. Mm. But Puel has been in the job since I think mid October now. You know, he's an experienced manager. He's not just cutting his teeth. He's not just starting. He's he's got the experience to really puts effect on a team and he's had enough time to do it he still has a squad that at the start of the season many of us said yeah that's a that's a solid squad but does it now look as if we are kidding ourselves you know are are we actually looking at these players and going oh maybe they've not actually turned out as well as they as we expected you know Sergio Palencia has he had much of an effect has Booty Boo played well enough as we expected you know Thomas what, what do you think about the actual playing squad do they need to do a bit more to help Puel yeah perhaps so but obviously like we said he, he um, does set up a usually quite a good defence and you look at the defenders and I mean I was expecting um, Makudi to to kick on because he he's been good in uh, League 2 for a number of seasons um, Kolodzicek I thought was Good signing, bring him back. Obviously, we know uh, is very talented. And even Wesley Fofano, who's probably had a better season than um, Saliba um, so far. So th- there is there is good players there, at least in defence. I mean, Johan Kabai coming back was kind of uh, strange. Um, I think they're just like a sort of a placeholder at the moment. But yeah, some, some of the players have, have, have struggled to gain form. I mean... Uh, Aholu has <laughs> had the Monaco effect on him, so he's, um, <laughs> he's, he struggled to get back to uh, any of the form we saw in play at uh, Strasbourg. And, um, yeah, I think probably it's just attacking options that, that they're really struggling with. If, if the defence isn't isn't as uh, resolute as we, we thought it had been, it, it's just all up to <laughs> Wabi Kasri to try and uh, bundle about the pitch and, and get a goal up. Obviously, <laughs> Danny Buanga, who's had a Who's had a um, a good season? I didn't think he would he would be their main source of goals, but um, I mean he's been he's been really well done really well wherever he's been placed. Mm. Let's move on to Lyon and their three one win over Stade Brestois in the Coupe de la Ligue. So with Lyon currently sitting twelfth, Clinton is this competition you know a good target for Garcia to aim for? You know because it could give him. Europe League football in case Lyon's uh, league standing doesn't improve over the second half of the season? Is this a good competition to really target? Yes, yes, absolutely. I think they should put 
everything into it because I mean it looks like this season in terms of the league isn't looking very good for them. Uh, I still don't see how they get a, a CL place and even the Europa League place would be very very hard to get. And also this is an opportunity for them to win a trophy again. So it's it's a huge deal I think and I think they should put all their energies into it. But um, as we know with Lyon, like of course last year they had the game against Ron at home. They were, it was a home fixture and they lost that. Uh, I think that was the Coupe de France. They lost that at home, the semis or so. And, you know, that's just something that we have come to expect from Lyon nowadays. Uh, when you really have expectations you know, regarding them, doesn't quite pan out the same way they, they bottle or something. So I'm not really confident about their ability to, you know, go all the way. And I feel like, for instance, if they get to the final, you know, obviously, they get to the final, they probably come up, come up against PSG. Uh, I think they've done the draws and they've avoided PSG. I'm not so sure about that. But anyway, if they get to the final and they have to come up against PSG, for instance, obviously you expect a spectacle. You expect, oh, this is Lyon, all of that, all of that. And um, the thing that will probably happen is that you know, they will come out and be very meek and then get slapped maybe 5-0 and then they will go <laughs> and start feeling sorry for themselves. So I, I, I've stopped having expectations for Leon. I, I, they've disappointed <laughs> me so much. Because, I mean, I like to see, I want to see, you know, some of that team, you know, going at PSG, not just in league fixtures, but showing more con- as much consistency or close to the same consistency that PSG show and all of that and stepping up generally. But, Leon just seem to disappoint. But I think they should still put all, you know, everything they have into this and just try for once to win something. Hopefully, we'll see how that goes. And Clinton, so much gets talked about can, um, regarding Moussa Dembele and, you know, where does his future lie and, you know, how talented a player he is. Should he go to Chelsea or Barcelona or Real Madrid? You know, his ceiling being so high. But do you think a player that is slightly... Probably not in France, but I just think worldwide goes underrated. Is Hussein yeah. Awar like? Do, do you think he is generally underrated? Yes, absolutely. Uh, in fact, I think he's a top three Lyon player as this, and I think um, you know, in in terms of the when you compare the hype around him to that of Ndombele, the the distance is so much. I mean, Ndombele had clips every week on Twitter <laughs> throughout the past year because oh my god Ndombele needed at my club needed at my club and then people weren't really talking about Awa and it was so strange because Awa is an exceptional footballer he's he's just so good and he's just so underrated really but I think that will change in the next you know few months or so because um, with Memphis out Jeff out and all of that and Leon struggling a bit he's going to come to the fore because he has more responsibility mm-hmm. now and as we know responsibility sometimes opens up you know the the path to hype and, and people actually seeing a player for what he is so i i think um that could help him i think in the next few months we're going to see a jump in that hype but for now he's very underrated there should be a lot of media attention on him i think the issue with i think the issue with our is he's not He's not consistent enough with his performances, and it hasn't since he since he broke out. There hasn't actually been that much amount of growth, in my opinion, of his performances. I mean, it's been, what he's been playing for first team for what two two years now. Yeah, he's, yeah. Made, he's made about a hundred first yeah. team appearances. Though. Yeah, I mean that's a lot. 
and I don't think he's is it how he started. I would have thought he would be um, more consistent and putting in better performances at this age now. So that's that's the issues I have with him at the moment. He's still obviously a very talented footballer, and somebody like uh, Underbelly was more of the finished article because he was putting in big performances against yeah. big teams. Um, and he did, yeah, I mean, that, that that growth from when he came in at Amiens, I mean, he was already, like, he had, had that game against PSG where he was really good and he consistently kept doing that over the course of his um, of his uh, career at Lyon. And it shows, obviously, you know, Tottenham <laughs> seem to love him at the moment. Uh, that's the only concern with our half for me at the moment. Mm. Because Ndombele's only just turned 23 and Awar's almost 22 in June. So it's, yeah. it's like interesting to see how their careers have almost like mm. separated. Awar's not even really like nailed down as like Leon's pivot, Leon's yeah. Pen, yeah. You know, he's key player yet. Even though I think he does have the potential to do it, he just doesn't do it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, That's the thing. He, when he shines, he, he does, I do feel he, when he does shine on his day, he shines brighter than he did kind of in his early days at Lyon but it's it's mm. as Thomas says it's all about finding that consistency because this guy has so much potential and 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 definitely is still inconsistent yet underrated at the same time kind of what what we've all said so so if he can bring that consistency to his game then the sky really is the limit i think he could be a top creative midfielder in the future mm. absolutely and let's move on to Lille and their 2-0 victory over Amiens. So Lille have now won seven of their last nine games. They currently sit fourth and now have the Champions League shackles taken off them. You know, they're completely free to just go and attack the second half of this season. Jake, should they be pushing for second and can they finish second? Yeah, they can. And it, it, it's going to be difficult now because, you know, Marseille do look really consistent. Um, and obviously, Rennes have kind of turned their fortunes around. I think it will probably be difficult and possibly a stretch too far overall to catch Marseille. But then you never know, um, given the length of the season. There's no doubt that they have the quality. And especially now that like some of the younger players, are, are, you know, Araujo seems to have brought some more consistency to his game. Um, some of the, the summer signings are kind of like um, uh, Renato Sanchez looks to be getting a little bit more consistent and um, Ossimen's showing no signs of slowing down. So, you know, if, if, if Galtier can find some consistency, then there's no doubt that they have the, uh, the talent uh, to, to, to really make an impact um, and uh, kind of upturn, like, upturn their, their fortunes in the league. Um, and especially, as you say, kind of without the intensity and the pressures of that of that Champions League group, I really do think that they kind of threw their all into that give or take that last game against Chelsea where they kind of fielded a, a, a slightly weaker side. But you could see kind of how intensely they, they were fighting in that competition all the way through that group stage until the very end. And I think it will, I think we will see a more consistent Lille um, barring kind of big injuries in, in 2020. So, um, so a, a, a big push for, for the Champions League places is certainly on the charge. And, I think they'll probably be uh, pushing pushing Marseille pretty close. Also, just a quick note for anyone who hasn't seen Araujo's goal against Amiens. <laughs> please go see it. It's 
bloody beautiful. Oh my god, he picks up on the right. I think it was from a throw-in or something, and he's corner, just like right. Have this. He's just like you know, from a corner. That's even better. Yeah. He takes the yeah. edge of the box. He's right. Have this. I think it's his right foot. Maybe his left, but he just left. hangs it. I, um, it reminds me of a goal scored by Manish at Euro 2004, I think. I was going to say that. Well, similar. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was my answer. <laughs> very, very similar. <laughs> and uh, Amion in this match, they did lose 2 0 um, after going a man down quite early on, you know, quite unfortunate. But this match, only losing 2 0, you know, showing Sanetti and how to play against 11 men. This following their nil-nil draw with third-place Ren in the Coupe de France. They eventually lost on penalties, but they gave them a good match. Is that showing slight signs of improvement following a pretty awful end to 2019? What do you think about that, Thomas? What do you think about their chances this year about, about really staying up? Yeah, I think they're always going to be in that... Um that uh, relegation battle. But this game, I mean, they started off and they, I mean, it was pretty much up until the yellow card, they were the better side. They were really pressing mm-hmm. little. And there was a lot of mistakes from, like, I remember Bedrin Andre making a couple, giving away the uh, possession a good few times because Amion were really, I mean, harrier them um, off the ball a lot of the time, but they just couldn't. Uh, as soon as they got the ball, the, the, the transition play, there wasn't any there wasn't really anybody there. And they, they they weren't very decisive in getting the ball into the final third. That's where they were struggling at. So, it, I, know, I mean, maybe they, they bring in um, one or two new players in attack um, to help that. Um, but it was, I mean, the, the Zungu red card was, um, it was, yeah, it was a, it was a red card, a, or second yellow. Um, and just before that, he'd sort of, I'd probably say it should have got a red card. For um, a sort of a one of them, one of them headbutts where it's you know the the players are squaring up and he just gives a little you know sort just of a little push nudge. Just, just no, I, yeah. I thought I thought that might have actually been given as a as a, as a red card, but um, after there was a whole whole scuffle, um, the, the referee gave him, a, him and I think it was a sim hand um, told him off a little bit, but um, there was, obviously there was, there was promise in that game, and um, I think just looking at the the league overall, they they have a chance of, of staying up, but I do think they they will be in that relegation battle for the rest of the season. Um mm. and they're gonna hope that somebody like Kanate does come back into form and and Gertner finds his form because Gertner's been very I mean he has he's not been good um, when I've seen him play. And and the, the defence itself is is leaking a, a lot of um a lot of shots. Um, but they've got, you know, they've got potentially good players. Calabresi, I quite like. Um, I thought he was quite an interesting player when he came in. Um, people like Nore, um, it's also an, another good player. So hopefully, um, for, for Amion fans, they can uh, hold out for the rest of the season. That's what I think it'll be. Mm. I mean, Amion at times have really played yeah, some yeah, nice yeah, football. Yeah. They had a good run earlier in the season where they, where they, yeah, they beat Marseille and Angie. I can't remember which goal it was. I think it may have been by Otero, but it was just the play was just gorgeous. I was like, is this... Yeah, that was against Marseille, I think. Uh, it was the, the third goal against Marseille, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
right at the end. I was like, this is insane. Um, yes, I'm, I'm really hopeful. I think I think they can kind of pick it up. Alessandro, like you said there, Thomas is a really good player and has been quite a good acquisition from Palermo, I think. Uh, just coming slightly back onto Lille for a second. Christophe Galtier recently won the 2019 France Football Coach of the Year Award. Firstly, Jake, I want you I want you to, to see, is that deserved or do you think someone else should have got the award ahead of him? Obviously, Galtier has had a good year at Lille, but is he the you know, is he the France football coach of the year? I think I think based on based on the kind of magic that he worked last season that he he almost on that alone he kind of deserved to 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 win to win that that honor because what he what he did was absolutely incredible and there were some worries after kind of the summer transfer window and losing the the big players that he did that that Lil would drop off a little bit and they have but maybe not to the extent that kind of some of the more kind of naysayers would have expected you know they they had a they had a good run and had some really good moments in the Champions League even if they weren't consistent and and you know in the league we're, we're already talking about them possibly giving having another run to to second in the new year so so I do think it was deserved my alternative option the only kind of big shout I personally think of as an alternative option is uh Julian Stefan just because of um how uh well he's done since he arrived at Rennes overall obviously kind of six weeks ago even a, a, a month ago that would have been kind of a, a, a more of a rogue a rogue suggestion, and I probably wouldn't have made it given kind of Ren were in 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 a bit of a difficult patch, and there were even some people suggesting that he might lose his job. But he's turned that around, and he ends the year um, or ended the year rather in in third and and with a trophy. So yeah, he'd probably be my uh, my like uh, alternative alternative shout. But I think Galtier deserved it wholeheartedly. Clinton, just quickly before we go into the league and matches, do you agree with Jake's reasoning? Would you have him win the award or someone else? Yeah, I, I agree with it. I do. I hundred percent do. Um, I can't argue against God. Here. That's actually my personal choice. But I really, really love the work that um, Guyana has done at Rhymes. They they've been fantastic. They have the best defense in Europe this season. And um, they 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 didn't concede away to PSG. They won that two zero. They went to Marseille, won that as well without conceding. Didn't concede against Monaco. Didn't concede against Lille. I mean, it's it's remarkable, and it's very very easy to forget that they they were just newly promoted into the gun like last season, and they already this good. And now they're also in the semis of the cup. And of course, there's also Ron as well, um, Stefan. And the work he's done, taking them to, you know, win that trophy that they did, and the manner in which they did, they went through Lyon away and then came from two goals down against PSG to win that. So I think those are the three like really strong shouts for it. But ultimately, it's hard to look past Gautier. Really, it would have been fair if either of the other two won it as well. But it's hard to look beyond Gautier because I mean, taking a team from 17th to second, and I mean losing all those guys that he did in the summer and still being strong enough to have Lille in third by, by the new year. I think it's, it's remarkable work and I can't argue against it. Mm. That David Guillaume segue is pretty much all I have to say about the Rampstrasburg <laughs> match. They're low, penalties. Mbuku got sent off, but it probably was a red card. Pretty drab match, <laughs> not going to lie. Won the Rams, win the league, win the title. That'd be class. 
But yeah, the, the defensive work that Guion has done at Ramps with not it's even, insane. you know, it's not, not it's even, not even um, like offence to the players, like Dasasi and Abdel Hamid. But they're not, you know, they're not upper echelon, top five, insane, incredible defenders. But just the work he's done, I feel like the a good defence is mm. so underappreciated in football yeah. now. Attack yeah. is just, oh, look how good this goal was and look what these guys can do. Sometimes when guys can just turn up and, and be like, no, you're not scoring past us, it's just so much better and so exciting to watch, especially when DeSassi is doing that and he's like, what, 21, 22? It's pretty insane. Just just one more thing, sorry. Um, the draws have actually been done for the semifinals. I think it was done like an hour ago. So oh, okay. Leon, Leon are home against Lille and Rhymes are home against PSG. So, ah, yeah. I'll be good game, <laughs> see. Yeah. <laughs> um, Leon, Leo, Ramps. Okay, who do you think was the final? Jake, what's, what's the final? Uh, I am going to go Leo PSG. Okay, boring. Uh, Thomas. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I can't really argue that. What Jake said there, <laughs> PSG. Although Rams have beat PSG at home this season, so that's something. Yeah, that one. I'm more. I'm more on the fence about that one than the other. <laughs> I'm going to say PSG get through to the quarterfinals. They focus on that. Rams beat them, and oh, that will it be the same time? I can't. I can't. Rams beat them. They play Lil in the final. There we go. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, there's. There, there are rumors that Remy Uda is going to Bordeaux. I don't know if it will be available for this game before he leaves, if that you know eventually goes through. But um, I'm going to go with Lille and Rhymes because uh, I really love oh. them. <laughs> this it's is going purely, to be right. purely sentimental. Purely sentimental. Purely sentimental. Award. I mean, I just want people to know this one. It's let this one go. Yeah. Like PSG <laughs> let it didn't... go let someone else win let someone else win PSG didn't win any of the cups last year and Twitter still yeah. called a Farmers League like still <laughs> just like ripped into it what, yeah. the, what the, can the you do the narrative was that the narrative was that oh they can't even win the cups and they claim to be good when they win it it's yeah. oh nobody can compete yeah <laughs> rubbish we got one way or the other we'll say what it wants. yeah Gang on beat last season and got right in the same season so there we go yeah like competitive. <laughs> if I just want, I just wanted to mention the manager um, to go back to the managers. Um, obviously, I'm going to go for. Um, so we don't really talk about league do that much, but I was going to go for two lead manage, uh, managers in league do that I've been impressed by. Uh, the first one is uh, Olivier Pantaloni uh, at Ajaxio. Um, Ajaxio last season, I thought they, I mean, I thought they would go down. Um, Going into this season, I thought they would be struggling again. And they had a very, very old squad. Um, anybody who knows um, Mattia Coutador, he still plays. Uh, yeah, plays yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, he still plays Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, they had a... I was, I was concerned about that season, but they've... I mean, at the moment, they sit... I think it's fourth at the moment. Well, yeah. They brought in a, a lot of younger talent, really freshened up the squad um, quite nicely. They've got some... Um, some good talented players there, and I was really impressed with how how um, Pantaloni's 
um, help that squad on. And, and the, obviously, we're in playoffs now. It'd be it'd be great to have a, a Corsican side back in back in Liga because um, mm. obviously Bastia have disappeared almost now. Mm. Um, but yeah, that, that's another one. And the, the other one was um, Omar Daff, who's the uh, social manager. Um, um, former Senegal player. Yeah, 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 yeah. Former Senegal player, mm. of course. I loved him as a player. <laughs> <laughs> and um, he, uh, I mean, social. Anybody knows anything about social? They're in dire financial circumstances. Um, and so, I mean, just looking at some of the players I've had uh, over the past couple of seasons. Um, anybody remember Mohamed Sissoko? You play for PSG. And uh, I think yeah. I think yeah. Played for Valencia as well. Played for my club. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was. He, they signed him last <laughs> season um, for for half a season. So they, yeah, they were doing a, a lot of tricky tricky circumstances, um, and they did sell um, Jando uh, Fuchs, um, who was a, a talented player, and obviously uh, Lucien uh, Lucien Agume uh, to. Um, uh, oh, into yeah. yeah, it was in and yeah. uh, I was, was concerned about that season. But I mean, they brought in some <laughs> questionable signings. But and Omar Daff just made them into a really they've struggled in the last month or so. But he's made them to a really good, just strong. You just can't really break them down. Really, really good, um, yeah. good team. So, and obviously, Social were, were once a, a, a huge team in France, and mm. uh, yeah, he, he, Daff's done a done a good job to um, to keep them afloat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and with a lot of young players as well, still. So uh, yeah, 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 yeah. No, well, Social are kind of famous for their academy, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They have because, yeah, yeah. Produce some good Great. players. Just play kids. I didn't know. I, well, I, it's not that I didn't know. I'd kind of put it out of my head that Agumi was a was a Montpellier boy, was a Social boy. For some reason, I just automatically thought he was Ren or Leon or PSG. Now at Inter Milan, I completely forgot he's a Social boy. Jesus. That's an insane move for them. I really hope he goes and like actually becomes a big player. He's actually made his debut, I think, for the first team of Inter, which would be massive yeah, in, for in December. Yeah, apparently, yeah. Now let's look at some of the league and matches set to be played this weekend. So the big Friday night match is second versus third. It's Ren versus Marseille. You know, both teams really sit right up there, right in the top tier of the table at the moment. But Clinton, who do you think deserves to be right up there more? Who's done more this season? Um, between Marseille and John, yeah? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Marseille. <laughs> Definitely Marseille for me. I think Ron, Ron had that run where they were completely, they were just losing games and, you know, there was that little fear that Stefan may, may have been on the brink, although um, I think Thomas never believed that was going to happen. Um, but Marseille have have been, I think they've been, even when they, they were losing, when they were, you know, dropping points, I, I, I just felt like they looked really good. You know, they started to look good at some point. I think they started really poorly um, that first first defeat at the start of the season against Ryan, but from there they started to pick up uh, and they've just had more um, more um, excellent individual performances uh, with Ranger, Payet, Sanson, um, Benedetto and all those guys and also um, the system, I've been more impressed with you know, their way of playing. Sometimes it just feels like Run are riding their luck 
sometimes. But with Marseille, you can see um, it, it is more deliberate the way they, they, they attack, the way they play. I mean, uh, I saw a stat where there was a list of the five five players that won the most you know, balls in the final third, and there were four Marseille players. And it's just insane, really, that's because they, they, they press so high and they pick their moments and all of that. I've been more impressed with them and I found their games more exciting. Um, but um, that that should not you know be a reason to take anything away from Ron because for them to be third now, with a game in hand, after all they've been through this season. I think it's remarkable. And we also have to not forget that they had um, European, a horrible European campaign still, but I mean, it was, it was something. So they, they had to you know, mix those two together and it was really tough for them. But um, for me, Marseille, Marseille have been the, the team that deserved it more. Mm. And how does this match sit in their title chase, Clinton? You know, is this a match they really have to win to keep the chase up on PSG, or if they lose it and Paris go, I think it's ten points clear. Is that just like I might as well just give up? Yeah, I think they they should you know look to win this game to stay in. At least they should be within touching distance of PSG for as long as possible. Just stay, you know, as close as they can to them. And I don't. If they lose this game, then they might as well just, you know, give up because that that's not going to happen. But then again, we have to remember that um, PSG are going to be playing Monaco twice very soon. Mm. In, in space three, four, years. two completely different rules. Remember, um, because one game was supposed to be um, from last year; it was postponed to now. So PSG and Monaco are not allowed to play new signings for that game. But then for the other one, they can't play new signings. So, but um, I think Marseille have to win this. They have to keep you know winning as many games as possible. But I don't think that it's a good approach for them to be thinking too much about PSG. I think they should just take the games one game at a time and try to get as many three points as possible. And from there, but this is going to be a tough game though. Mm. Should be a massive game actually, and then the best of the rest competition really. Uh, this yeah. week, Red manager Julian Stefan, you know, he, he was talking in the press and he was saying that he's not really focusing on a podium finish or even to really be in the top three. He was saying that he's amazed that they're even in the same conversation as Marseille at the moment. You know, that's standard manager oh, chat keep everything mm, chill, yeah. keep everything down. But <laughs> Thomas... Would they be disappointed if they didn't at least finish in the top three from here? Uh, no, I don't think so. I don't expect them to be in top three by the end of the season. Um, they haven't really been the third best side in the division um, so far. I wouldn't say they're probably in the top mm, five or six. That might be a bit harsh, but, <laughs> <laughs> um, but I mean, I'm, that's nothing to get. They've, they've been they've been uh, doing well, um, but I think what I like to see is that they're putting faith in Stefan and they're trying to build something around him and keep him at the club um, as that that main that focal point to actually build like a project around. With a lot of these young players, they have um, they have there, and obviously Ren is very very talented. Um, Hub. Um, that a lot of great players come through. Um, that's what really impressed me. And I think that hopefully Stefan stays there for a, a good amount of time so they can really build something. And maybe next season um, or the season after they do start to become you know, a team that is that is competing 
um, heavily for the Champions League spots um, because they've got <laughs> they've got the structure there to do it. Um, I mean, they've got they've got the money to do it. They've got the the academy to do it. Um, but they just need that level of consistency and to really embed, you know, a, a good culture and consistency of staff um, with Stefan. I just wanted, <laughs> I was wanted to mention something that was uh, Angers related, but um, recently they've uh, <laughs> they've they've spoken and it looks like it could be possible that they are going to um, uh, recruit a new head of their academy. And they've gone for uh, Angers under-19s coach, uh, Dennis Arnaud. Um, interesting thing about him was that he used to play for uh, Le Mans, who's also a club in the region as well, Western region of France. Uh, and he used to play f- with uh, Olivier, Olivier Latton, the, the REM president. And he used to play with uh, Olivier Picou, the uh, sporting director at Angers. So there's a connection there. Um, and I think he might be tempted away to, uh, if I mean, if you're given a, a role as the, the head of... Uh, the academy for one of the best academies out there. He could be tempted away from Andre, but uh, we'll have to see how that mm. goes. What a completely random insert about <laughs> Andre. <laughs> well, it's, like, it's related to Ren. I found it. I was, I was doing some Andre research. And, uh, it was some news. We've gone about up. an hour without mentioning Andre, so we had to. And I know. Was, had to be done. No. I back it, Thomas. <laughs> <laughs> I gave them that little, you know, that little bit at the start to just kind of oh, air it out, get it out, and then I, I didn't expect them to. It was relevant, though. It's relevant because it looks like Renner trying to get in the right people to build to build something. Mm. I mean, they've already got a sick structure. Like and the, yeah, a, a big, yeah. a big, a, a big thing about like doing a long term project with a club it isn't just having players that have that understand each other and have been with each other for a while. It's also about getting your staff. To be really connected and on the same page, yeah. you know. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's 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 pretty much um, what Andre have done for <laughs> a very long time. So with with Marseille, they're kind of real. Yeah, uh, Andre on the nineteens at top of their uh, division. Just by the way. <laughs> what <laughs> well, is that? Is that a youth division or is that like actually like the champion yeah, national? Yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> what game were we talking about? I can't remember. Yeah, so Dimitri Paye. Stats would suggest he's having one of his best ever seasons. Jake, would you agree with the stats? Looking at his eyes, watching his career, starring at Marseille or playing at Marseille, playing at West Ham, is he playing some of his best football at age thirty two, I think? He's certainly playing his best football for the last couple of seasons because, let's face it, prior to his time at Marseille, um, other than kind of that uh, big run um, in the 17-18 uh, season, was it, when they got to the Europa League final? Um, other than that season, his time at Marseille has been pretty forgettable and last season kind of bordering on pretty sort of... He was almost more of a of a detriment than a uh, more of a hindrance to the side because of you know, how much his, his wages are and, and the lack of impact he was having on the team. But uh, AVB seems to have completely turned things around um, and he does look to be back to some of his best. I don't think it's, you know, fair to say that we're seeing prime Payet or, you know, as, as good as we've ever seen him because I think he has had, um, he's had some terrific seasons in his career so far. Um, but we are definitely seeing 
um, you know, one of his best seasons for sure so far. I think he's been absolutely excellent and really, really, really stepped up significantly. There was an award for the sort of biggest comeback um, in the league. Um, in my opinion, he'd certainly be a contender so far this season. You know, he's turned up in, in big moments. You think that Lyon game, um, as you say, the stats have been, um, the stats show that he's been one of the best players in the league. I think he's like fourth or fifth um, overall in like the who scored ratings of, um, of Ligue 1 players um, overall. He's got he's six number goals one in three... um, Sofa score. Is he really? Number one in Sofa score. There you go. And six goals and three assists. Um, yeah, he's the fourth highest in the league on who scored. Um, and, you know, I, I was just, just watching the highlights from the Nîmes game recently. His, his like, set-piece delivery, especially, like, when he's on his, on his day, he's one of the best deliverers of the ball um, out there. And, and, yeah, he really is, he is back, to, back to some of his best. Um, but it might be a stretch too far to say that this is his best season or, you know, one of, one of his couple of best seasons ever. So, Jake, how much of an effect do you think Paye will have on this match? I want your score prediction for this game. Second v third, Rennes versus Marseille. Jake? So, normally I would be I would be leaning towards a Marseille win, but I think Roazon Park uh, is an intimidating atmosphere and Stefan seems to have got the guys back on track and Marseille had obviously only just scraped through in the cup last weekend, so I'm going to go for a one-all draw. Oh, Thomas, what do you think? Um, I'm probably have to go for the same. Yeah, it, it's um, it's gonna be a a good game. I mean, there's been good games in the past between these two sides, and um, yeah, I, I'm gonna stick with a stick with Jake with the one all. Mm. And Clinton, what do you think this match will finish? <clears throat> uh, two 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 draw. Wow, I like it. Yeah. I'm not going to lie, I, 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 I don't mean, I think Razan Park's an insane stadium, and just with Ren winning so many games at home recently, and falling Marseille's, you know, mix-up at, at Trissiac and, and all that, is just putting, putting uncertainty into the water. So I'm going to say Ren to win 2-1. I don't, I, I don't think they'll keep a clean sheet or anything, I think Marseille will score like either through actual play or just chucking Radonja on for the last five minutes but um, <laughs> yeah I, 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 I'm going to back this in favour of Rain, my boy Stefan to, to pull up big in the big moments yeah I'm, I'm, I'm going to say I'm going to say Rain. Uh right PSG Monaco that's one of the other matches set to be played this weekend that's your big Sunday night fixture as Clinton was saying earlier, this is going to be uh, the first of two PSG Monaco matches over the next few days. But we are focusing on this first one, this Sunday one. Their first of the six points they're going to get this week. Uh, so <laughs> I was waiting for that one to. I was waiting for that one to drop with you. Yeah, my my button was <laughs> muted. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> get a laugh. Thank you. Uh, Jake, what did you think generally of, of the Jardin dismissal? Um, I thought it was long overdue, to be honest. And I've, I've been one of the biggest advocates of, of Jardim purely because of what he did in the good years at Monaco, I think is, is absolutely incredible and not to be forgotten. You know, this is a guy who completely transformed and rebuilt the team time and time again. Um, not only did he show that he had this incredible penchant for bringing through and developing young players, but also... The, the, his tactical versatility, you know, this is a guy who who built an a extremely solid 
um, defensively robust and really effective team in uh, for the 2014-15 season that you know beat Arsenal in the Champions League and went toe to toe with Juventus. I think it was in the quarterfinals and and yeah. um, and then um, you know completely rebuilt it after losing those uh, some of those more senior players um, to that uh, ex- like ex- swashbuckling. Um, incredibly exciting young team that I'll just never forget watching, you know, in that 16-17 um, season um, when they won the league. Um, it's just sad to see how far he seems to have fallen. And some of the stuff that's come out more recently, um, I don't know if you guys have seen this, but kind of like leaks saying that his, um, you know, he he had started talking to players and basically saying that he was there, more or less implying to players that he was there for the money or that money should be the players' focus and, you know, not winning. Mm. Um, you know, that he was really difficult to approach uh, for young players during his latter, latter tenure. Um, and th- what we could all see as well, obviously, was that he was wedded to his favourites and not willing to drop certain players despite their poor performances. So it really was time to go. And I think it's such a shame because his stock has taken a significant hit. And this is a guy who was... I remember a lot of the press kind of linking to United maybe, but certainly like Juventus and and possibly the big teams in Spain as well back in the day. But you think, you know, are those kind of clubs going to be coming in for for Jardim? It's going to be interesting to see what happens. But um, but I'm very surprised at kind of the direction that Monaco have decided to take with uh, Robert Moreno, you know, in terms of going for, I mean, I'm sure we'll talk about this more now, but, go, you know, going for a, someone who constitutes a, a relatively unknown quantity in the grand scheme of things. Mm. Yeah, Thomas, let's let's talk about the Moreno appointment. So just for context, I realise in case anyone didn't see this, Leonardo Jardim, long-term, you know, up-and-down Monaco manager twice, uh, was sacked again a few weeks ago in favour of the former head coach of Spain, Robert Moreno, to be brought in. You know, I feel the name that was linked with his job for ages was Marcelino following the Valencia dismissal. You know, oh, Marcelino's going to get this job. And Robert Moreno just kind of came out of nowhere. I don't know if I'm being just maybe quite ignorant with that, but it seemed like he was, like I said, a bit of a left field choice to come out of nowhere. Thomas, what do you think about the whole dismissal of Jardim and the replacement with Robert Moreno? I mean, I agree with what Jake said. Really, I mean, it was a, it was it was coming. Um, it was overdue, and um, you know, it 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 would become sour, and it had been that way for quite a while. Um, Monaco themselves were just <laughs> almost just a complete mess, um, and 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 Jardim, you know, was was sort of at the centre of it. Um, it was a mistake, really, to bring him back. Um, and he did. I mean, he, he we need to not forget that he almost they didn't stay up last season. Um, we we're very lucky to to, uh, yeah. to still be in the in the division. And I think if they'd have gone down, then the Jardim sacking would have would have come straight away, and, and they did have tried to reset. Um, but probably because he's he's kept them here, they've they've um they've kept on to him a little longer. Um. As far as Moreno was concerned, I, I mean, I've I've uh, not seen any of his any of his teams play him. <laughs> he hasn't really had a had a, um, a first team uh, to to coach. Uh, <laughs> it does it does sort of smell a little bit of um, Silvino, um, but as as far as I can 
um, see and, and, and read about Moreno, he might be a little bit more, um, well, not as disastrous as Silvino. I know, um, I think Clinton, you might want to jump on this. What do you think of Moreno? Well, um... is he as, be as bad as Silvino? Because that is a tough one. <laughs> I don't. I don't think he is. Uh, he's been an assistant coach like everywhere, in, like five, six clubs. Uh, he's worked with you know a good amount of you know top players. Uh, he's been assistant at Roma, assistant at Barcelona, assistant at Celta, assistant for Spain as well before he took the job. And um, I think he probably would have gained experience in at least man management and he, he, he wouldn't be the guy who'd say, um, I don't want my fullbacks to go anywhere. <laughs> that's not likely to happen. Yeah. So <laughs> at least that's a positive. Um, uh, from what I've read about him, he, he's been very, very, he's, he's like a student of the game. He's been very, very, very particular about you know football and all of that since a very young age, like one of the youngest um, coaches. He's been coaching since 2002, actually. Wow. So, oh, wow. So he has he has a lot under his belt. Obviously, he has not managed any team, like any top team or anything, but he has a lot of experience under his belt. I think he would be more um he he would be a lot different from Sylvania, who I, I I never got any confidence from seeing his teams or anything. I saw the Monaco game against Ryan. It wasn't particularly pretty, but you could see some direction. So um I think I think um, he's going to be far better hire than um, uh, Silvino. But I only have one grudge against Moreno. I've mentioned it before. When he was Spain boss, he dropped Danny Parejo. Like, <laughs> you don't drop <laughs> it. I took it personal. I was so happy when he <laughs> job. How do you drop Danny Parejo? What? So, my wife is a good guy. <laughs> yeah, my only, my only concern is He's been an assistant that, that long. Why has nobody approached him to be a coach? Job, is there, a, yeah. yeah, is there a re- mm. is there is there a reason behind that? Um, we'll have to find out. Really, I mean, he's still quite young, That's but the there is young man- managers around, so it's yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, be, it's, it's not exactly an easy game to start off with. I think it's just one yeah. one of those to see how exactly will. Will he set up? I don't. Th- I don't think Monaco are going to shock PSG, but let's see how he sets up the game and and um, how his how his team does play. Mm. Yeah, I mean, and another thing you're talking about about um, like oh, he's been an assistant manager for years. Like, what's his pedigree? What's his experience? But in recent years, you've seen more guys like come out of assistant managing and then go straight into managerial <laughs> positions and do quite well. Like Jean Luc Gasset in recent years has been a kind of a, a big. Yeah, you know, probably one of the bigger names in yeah, France true. for that, and done very well. Um, you know, I, I do. You have, the... you have guys like Sami Lee. <laughs> remember Sami Lee, Aladice's assistant, who oh, went, I think so, yeah. went into management so that it was hell and ran back to being an assistant again. <laughs> <laughs> that was a horrible story. There used to be a guy who um, he's actually that's the thing. He's actually a really like, like pedigreed coach is Ian Cathro. He used to be the coach of yeah. uh, New, like was, coach at Newcastle. Oh, yeah. I think he was a coach at Valencia under Nuno. Valencia, that's who it was. Um, yeah. So, you know, playing with some some really big players, uh, coaching some really big players as like an assistant coach, went to Hearts and was like their head manager, aged 
like 32 or something. He was young as anything. Yeah. Uh, and he looked like a little boy. Like, he's just so baby-faced. <laughs> and, and because, like, the Hearts just played so bad that season, everyone made jokes that he was just like, he only played football manager and all that, which is all around his laptop <laughs> and that. Just oh, I got absolutely ripped. He was only here for like a like a year after that before getting chucked out. Even He's though still like, only thirty three, I oh, young as anything. Wow, God, at that age, wow. if you have one look at Scottish football Twitter, then you know you're you're never going to want to manage again. <laughs> are you? Yes. He was like he was the butt of just so many jokes for ages. I'm quite sad because I, I, it might have like shell shocked him. I don't know what he's doing no. now. Um, yeah. So with this appointment of Moreno, you know, I. I Fairly young coach, a, a guy with a good bit of experience in football generally at Spain and at other clubs at Celta and, and, and Barcelona whatnot. Is this really a good opportunity for Monaco to just clean the slate and build from now? You know, they've had a lot of years with Henri and, and, and Jardim mixing th- things up and it not going that well. But now do they really need to just start again? You know, they have a, they have a good squad. They've won 10 of their last 15 matches. They've got a good base to build on, despite any of the, the musings upstairs. Jake, do you think this is a good opportunity for for Moreno and his first like big job in football? Yeah, it's, a, it's an amazing opportunity to to start with. You know, Henri starting in the circumstances that he did last season was pretty torrid. But, you know, Monaco are a lot more comfortable this year, even if they've been pretty average. Um and it is exciting in that clearly Monaco are looking for another kind of project manager. They're not looking for kind of just mm. a, an experienced pair of hands to kind of take the reins and 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 get them you know get them up the table quickly. Um, it it sounds like he's got a good idea of how he wants the game to be played. From what he said, he's kind of um, a student of that more kind of traditional, if you like, possession-based football that we associate with um, with Barcelona. From what he said, but. Um, but also there was a uh, there were some comments from Fabregas on the on the Liga on website where he was saying uh, that he's a physically demanding coach. You know, he wants us to run. Um, he wants us to intent uh, press with uh, intensity. So, which which I think Monaco have been lacking. So um, it'll be interesting to see those elements um, combined. You know, you know, wanting to play with the ball, but also be intense and and hardworking. And um, you know, he as we said, he's a young coach. He's clearly got a lot of coaching experience. So it is a good opportunity to uh, opportunity for a fresh start but you've got to say that PSG away in your first game in charge is yeah not not ideal mm, absolutely I, I, I just wanted to point out that um, the intensity thing is bad news for Fabregas because yeah, oh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah Fabregas was also saying I think he was saying like uh, oh I've had uh, he implied that he'd had conversations with the manager and who kind of said that yeah he was by no no means a guaranteed starter and with 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 poor Seth's legs, I think yeah, I doubt I doubt he'd be playing much league football now. <laughs> yeah, that, that's good though. I mean, I mean, obviously Jardim just kept playing Glicken and Jemison, and now you've got a manager that says, you know, I'm not, I don't know who you are, I've, no, I've never met you before, and you know, you've got to, have to prove your your worth and your place in the squad. Mm. Um, so that kind of shake up could be good for a lot of the players. So. Much of what fans judge their manager off is what they do in the big matches. Monaco versus PSG is a massive match. Monaco haven't beaten PSG since 2016, the same year that they won the league. Thomas, what chances, you know, what's your score prediction? How do you think Monaco will actually do in this game against PSG? I have no idea. (laughs) 
it's it's a, a difficult one to to try and figure out. I mean, um, I can only guess that it might, it won't be. I don't think it'll be a, a dreadful performance, um, but it'll be a. I think PSG will will win this. Um, hopefully, I'm, I'm hoping that Monaco, you know, give them maybe a little fright. Um, and maybe score a goal. So I'm going to go with uh, maybe 3 1. Actually, no, I'll say 2 1. It, it might look close, but it was pretty comfortable. You're right. Uh, Clinton? Uh, <laughs> I want to say Monaco would be involved, but no, that's not. We all know that's not happening. <laughs> <so>. <laughs> PSG. No, no. Three. Uh, yeah, you never know it's football, but PSG to win maybe like 4 2 or 4 1. Oh, right. Goals always. Uh, Jake, <laughs> what do you think the game will finish? <laughs> well, I'm actually going to the game, so I'm kind of hoping oh! for a, I'm hoping for a, awesome. a, a cheeky 6-5 for Monaco. But, um, <laughs> but uh, I think that's, I think that with a, with a, a four for Ben Yedda, two for Slimani. No, I don't think that's going to happen. So I, 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 I agree with, um, I think I agree with Thomas's score. I think we're looking at a, a 3-1. That's insane. You have to tell us how it is next week. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I am going for... It seems like the score, I, th- I think it will be 3-1. I think PSG have too much for just any team at the moment. But Monaco should should chink their armour, I think. PSG have conceded in their last two games. So I think Monaco, you know, have the... You know, the way I look at it is Monaco scored twice against a defence just as good as PSG's a couple of days ago against Rams. Really? So, you know, why couldn't they? Obviously, they're going to concede a lot more, but I don't see why they couldn't score at least one. So, yeah, I'll say 3-1 with a view to it being a little bit closer. And quickly, let's just finish on Toulouse versus Brest. Toulouse, what a club. Oh, gorgeous, beautiful. Started (laughs) solid, Mr. Alan Casanova. The the manager of the era a couple of years ago, had some good success, came back, kept them up. You know, building for this season, some young players that could really do a job. Sangari and and Coney and um, oh, what's the attacker called? Leah Seca. They sacked him. Brought in everyone's favourite Antoine Kumbuari uh, for about eleven matches. They oh. lost ten of them and has been sacked as well. <laughs> Jake, was this dismissal justified? Are there other factors at hand? What's your what's your idea of this dismissal from Toulouse? Look, it was 100% justified. I think that was clear as day. You know, you going into the game, the cup game at the weekend, you've lost nine in a row in all competitions. You've got a French cup match, a fresh start after the holidays. You're playing a fourth division side. Perfect match to get some confidence back. And then what do you go and do? Lose in the 96th minute. I mean, really, 10, like that. So that's 10 defeats um, in a row. And look, the problems do run a bit deeper than Combuare, but two two wins in since he joined the club is just not good enough and i feel like in more recent years we've kind of lost sight of the combari of, of of days gone by you know this is a guy who who got valenciennes promoted and did a really was a really consistent league manager got the psg job won a cup with psg was the manager of of psg when uh, when the uh, qatari um qataris took over um and was sacked from psg when they were first in the league in December of uh, 2011, um, I think, and then they mm. went on to finish second that season, you know. But um, he was known for playing some some decent football, at least at PSG. But 
in the last couple of years, really, that's completely gone. That's completely gone. And I think he's looked really kind of bereft of ideas, even when it, in, at, at Gangomp towards the end, at Dijon, and then at Toulouse. Even when he's tried to mix things up tactically, he's looked bereft of ideas. Um, he's looked out of his depth and um, really not been able to galvanise these teams as as we would have expected, you know, only scraping by with, with uh, Dijon last uh, at the end of last season. So, um, yeah, I think it was very much time for him to go and time for a reset. But the problems at Toulouse run so much deeper than the manager. You know, they, they, they've been on the verge of relegation for, for years now. And a lot of that, at least fans feel a lot of that, is the way that the club is run. Um, they absolutely despise their like general, the general um, director, uh, Jean-Francois uh, Soucas, um, and all of the kind of uh, board uh, members because of the way that the club's been run. And they feel that there's no kind of transparency between the board and the fans. The recruitment's been poor. Um, and generally just like the club is, 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 is a bit of a shambles. And, and even, even President Olivier Sadron, who bought the club back from the brink and actually got them into the Champions League in the kind of late 2000s, um, has gone from like a very much loved figure to someone who's just um, um, an immense source of frustration. And, you know, he's offered to refund. I don't know if people have seen this, but he's offered to refund to lose season ticket holders, season tickets for the rest of the season. Uh, if they don't want to go to matches and to lose attendance has been dropping consistently over recent years as it is. So things just really are in absolute shambles and sacking Kumbarari was the right thing to do, but this is a club that needs a reset from the top down um, and whether or not a relegation will do anything, anything, any, any good for them remains to be seen. But I, I hope it will because they're a, a big club with a really passionate fan base and it's just a shame what's happened to them really, but something's got to give. So that's what's happened at Toulouse. Clinton, let's look at their future. Do you think they've got the, the potential and the squad to dig themselves out of this rut? Is it a squad that's better than the teams around them? You know, they've got the players like Max Alangridel, Kumbu, um, I've written Kumbuari here, but I don't mean that. I mean, Sang- <laughs> I mean Sangari here. <laughs> Sangari, uh, Kouloris, Makengo, Dosevi. You know, do, do they have the players and the potential to get themselves away from the relegation battle that they've put themselves in? Yeah, I think they have the best squad of the bottom five or six. I do think they have the best squad of the bottom five or six. But um, I don't see them getting out of this. Because if you look at their upcoming fixtures, apart from the fact that they had, you know, someone who really doesn't... They, they had from within, really. Um then their fixtures, their upcoming games, they have an away game against Lyon after this round. Um, they play Strasbourg at home two weeks later. They also go away to Amiens. They also go away to Marseille. Then they're mm. home to Nice. Then they're away to Lille. And then they're home to Ron. It's like, <laughs> it's a baptism of fire, really. I think that um, they're going to be in deep trouble by the time that run of games is done. So I don't see how they escape this. At best, in the next um, seven or eight games, they are probably going to get three points or four points or something. And um, by then, it might be too late to start pulling um, themselves back up. So I don't, I don't see how they escape this. But it's still football. You never know. Things happen. Strange things happen. They might go on a run of 10 straight wins now and you know surprise everyone. Although I don't think that's going to happen. But, um, nah, I don't think they, they escaped this. I don't think so. doesn't mm. seem like it. 
But uh, Thomas, they've got some good opponents to face, I guess, in Stade Brestois. Brest have only won one of their last six games, currently sit 15th. They need to be careful that they don't slip further down the table. You know, like they had quite a good start to the season, but after some some form in the in the middle stage of it, they've started to slip further and further down the table. Do they need to be careful ahead of this match? Is this a big match for Brest, just as it is for Toulouse? Yeah, I think so. I mean, it'd be. Um, I mean, for them starting off the the new year, getting a, a good away win um, would be would be great for them, and I would hope to you know to kick them on and to, to safety um, for the rest of the season. If you look at both squads. I mean, I think you've probably got two of the leakiest defenses um, in the division, but <laughs> one of them has one of the best keepers in league and the other one has a keeper yeah. who isn't one of the best. Shut um, up. <laughs> one of the best keepers in, in league Um So uh, I'm not going to mention the names because, uh, you know, I, I know that Lewis is, uh, is, is tired <laughs> <laughs> from hearing, hearing one of the names. Um, but yeah, it, it should be a, it should be an interesting match um, to lose. I, I just think we'll struggle um, for the rest of the season, and yeah, I think I think that's it. Really, you look at the squad, and, and you reckon you know Sangara is certainly gone. Um, maybe a, maybe somebody picks him up this winter. Maybe he's just sick of it and he wants to he wants to leave now um, and get get to a new club. Um, but you know, there's not that much um, going for them at the moment. Um, have they have they had a repli- have the manager come in yet? I don't think I, don't, I haven't heard anything yet. No, they've they just are... promoted from within. They've promoted the um, oh, okay. academy director, and I don't think they've said explicitly how long. Um, how long for? His name is De- uh, Dennis, Dennis Zanko. Zanko. Yeah, yeah, that's his name. Um, and okay. and but the implication from what I could see was sort of like he'll take charge until further notice. So. Yeah, but 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 something uh, that he's actually done with other assistant managers just going to take the reins as he's actually managed a club before like he was Le Mans manager and he was Laval manager so he's actually got oh, some okay. experience uh, as opposed to like Eric Bedoui who just kind of cleaned the yeah. boots at Lyon and then was <laughs> out of self as like key manager well he's got uh, league no, 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 management no, no, experience he's got league oh. management experience so you know that'll, yeah, that'll, that'll, that'll do well next year <laughs> That's a solid level. Uh, I get them ready for next season. Uh, right. Score predictions, gentlemen. Thomas, I'll start with you. Do you think Toulouse will really be able to get back in gear under Zanko, or will it just be another defeat to Brest? What do you think about this one, Thomas? Mm, I mean, straight off the bat, I think maybe it sounds simple. You know, Brest might, might get a win, but maybe the Toulouse players, you know, now Comboire is gone. Now he, he's, he's sort of like, you know, the uncle you don't really like. You know, he's gone now. Maybe <laughs> a, little bit of, a little bit of a little bit of energy is into the team now. Maybe they think, you know, let's, let's try and uh, let's try and do something, play some actual football. That'd be great. Um, so it, it's tricky, especially when, you know, it's, it's sometimes tricky to predict what's going to happen after a, a break like this. Um, so I'm gonna say a nil-nil draw. Ooh, 
Ooh, sexy. Controversial. <laughs> <laughs> Clinton, uh, what do you think this will not finish? Clinton will never say a nil-nil draw till the day he dies. <laughs> He'll always say goals. <laughs> I love goals, I love goals. Uh, yeah, I think Toulouse win this 3-0. <laughs> wow. You'd be surprised. You'd be surprised. I've seen it. I've seen it. <laughs> I, like, I honestly, I think are going to win this quite easily. Teams just seem to kick themselves into action when managers yeah. go. It's so yeah, strange. The and the bounce, yeah. But then Toulouse are so bad and they didn't even really have a proper new manager bounce <laughs> under under Comborare, So Yeah. 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 yeah Comborare yeah. didn't even know what he was managing. He was like, is this still Dijon? <laughs> <laughs> was, was Toulouse? I this was Montpellier. Oh, God. <laughs> just shocks about that standard club, honestly. Uh, Jake, what do you think this one will finish? Oh, I'm really struggling to call this one. So I'm I'm going to... I think they'll have a new manager bounce, but also they are terrible. So by that logic, I'm going to go for a one-all again. Sorry. Right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, Sorry, yeah, they lost. They'd love that at the moment. A draw, at least, at least, it's stopping the the losses. Stop the draw. Yeah, right. mm. yeah. I'm going to say two nil to lose. Yes, yeah. Honestly, I cannot express how high a regard I hold Kalouris, and I think he's such <laughs> like, a good. Yeah, I love Kalouris. What's happened? He's just, <laughs> Okay, he's such a right. good box striker just like he's just such a good one touch he's like he's not that f- okay this is completely bizarre not okay not that level but he's the same type, type of player as like as like Icardi like just in that in the box set him in oh. your six yard box and he will just finish goals all he's the time he's very well rounded penalty yeah. Yeah. Like, striker yeah Toulouse are, like, I commend Toulouse for taking a, a, a taking a, a what am I t- taking a risk on a player coming from the Greek league, that doesn't happen a lot, but you know, it's yeah. definitely paid off this season and sometimes. Uh, right, and that finishes off the GFFN preview show. If you're looking for more information on all things football French, uh, get oh, yourself over to www.getfootballnewsfrance.com. Something I implore you to read is the GFFN 100. Uh, the newest edition for 2019 was just released with some great uh, profiles on essentially what we believe to be the 100 best players in France at the moment, with also some mentions of their history, how they'll do next year, and also some players that you might see in next year's edition of GFFN 100. It's completely free. It's the it's, it's the best manual you're going to get on French football and English online. It's an incredible piece of work, and it has some profiles from these guys right here, Clinton, Thomas, and Jake. Uh, just before we go, I want your... I don't know, I can't remember who specifically who did which players, but I want like one player that you really liked or you really liked the profile of doing. Uh, Jake, I'll start with you. Who was like your favourite player to, to write about? Uh, certainly the most entertaining one to write was Neymar, so... My, my one on Neymar. Thomas? I think probably um, getting the chance to express my sincere love for <laughs> Baptiste Antelier. Uh, <laughs> he was placed very high on the list. 
Uh, I'm not saying I, I bribed anybody to put him there. He does. He does deserve to be put there. Um, but yeah, obviously he's going to be de- departing probably in the summer. But yeah, he's a, a great piece to to write on him. Mm. And uh, Clinton, who did you enjoy writing uh, about? Can you guess? <laughs> <laughs> can you guess? Okay, <clears throat> it was a little bit of a joke. <laughs> really? Be a towel. Did, who, did uh, anyone get Yusuf Atal? Any of us? Not I me. Did, I did. I did. Oh, you did. <laughs> but a, a joke was like... Love a joke. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I absolutely love him. So it was like an he's opportunity for me to express my love for him. <laughs> and the fact that he's actually really good with his feet. And, you know, his, he should... I, I started the campaign for him to go to the Euros. So let's see. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully. Uh, right. Thank you very much for that, gentlemen. Once again, please go read it on the website and you can also find us on Twitter at GFFN. As per usual, that's where you'll find your most consistent content on French football in English. We'll see you next week where we talk about PSG's two wins over Monaco, amongst <laughs> others. Thank you very much for listening. I've been Lewis McParlin. I've been joined by Clinton McDubis, Jake Smales and Thomas Wiseman. Sleep well, stay safe. See you later.